0: What's up, guys? I'm your host, Kayla Taylor, and welcome to episode nine of the Listen To Me Speak podcast. I have a great episode lined up for you guys, but before I start, like always, I want to thank you guys for supporting me and this podcast, and I want to thank you for the love you guys showed me on last week's episode, because it really, really means a lot. I hope you enjoy this week's episode as much as you enjoyed last week's. So let's get right into it. I want to start off with Bryson Tiller. He finally released a new song which is called Inhale last Friday. On Twitter he had been teasing that he had a lot of unreleased material and then asked fans when we'd want a new album. His choices for the poll were kind of all the same pretty much saying that he'd drop his album whenever we wanted to whenever he wanted to and that we didn't really have a, a real say. Honestly I didn't think we'd ever get another album from Bryson Especially when he admitted, I think it was last year, he admitted that he was unsure if making music was the right career choice for him. I'm glad he's back though because the R&B scene has been missing him and he's due for an album. I know he really um, was honest in saying that when he dropped his album uh, True to Self in 2017, he was you know, suffering from depression, which is why the music wasn't all that good. Um, And I guess his depression probably made him feel like making music wasn't the the right career choice for him anymore maybe he felt like his heart wasn't in it anymore but it seems like he has kind of gotten past thinking that way because he is you know dropping new music so I'm happy for that it seems to be a lot of artists kind of talking about feeling that way well I'll get into this a little bit later but Big Sean had said similar things where he said that you know he got to a point where he didn't really think that he really needed to be making music anymore because he just wasn't happy with a lot of his content But moving on, Inhale Samples Not Gonna Cry by Mary J and All Night Long by SWV. And SWV have kind of become more and more commonly sampled these days from Summer Walker to Rick Ross to now Bryson Tiller. These songs are both on the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack which is where the title Inhale is most likely inspired from. Especially when the first lines of Bryson Tiller's verse is Inhale Exhale. Obviously that was where he got that from. I read a tweet last weekend that said and I quote do I really like the song or did they just sample a 90s classic and it instantly reminded me of Bryson's new song because he relied on these samples a little too heavily in my opinion rather than making the song original. That's a common problem in music these days which is relying too much on a sample of a classic song rather than making it your own. Shout out to my girl Erica because when I shared this um this post on my Instagram stories she commented and said that when she read you know the tweet she immediately thought of Bryson and so did I so it's funny that I wasn't the only one who connected those dots. Um the intro of Inhale is a minute long and the intro is the chorus of all night long verbatim from the chorus of the original record. Bryson only has one verse before the song quickly ends the song is only two minutes long I think it it almost makes it to three but not quite and his verse is good it's typical Bryson it's what I expect from him but as soon as I start uh, vibing with his verse and really getting into it and soaking it in the song is over which is kind of disappointing. The production on this track is great, but it pretty much combines the production from "All Night Long" and "Not Gonna Cry" and speeds them up maybe a little bit, and that's essentially the beat for "Inhale." So it's kind of it's kind of using the cheat code um, of relying on the sample, like I said. All in all, the song is good, but I feel like I only really like the song because it relies on the samples of art of song of sam- It relies on samples of songs that are already proven to be great. I do wish Bryson wrote two verses for the song, so I would be able to enjoy it more. Like I said, I do like the song. It's just too short. Um, My favorite line on this song is, quote, baby girl, I miss when you adored me. When you left me, honey, that shit tore me. Fuck being on Forbes. I felt rich when I was yours. Yeah, it's a little corny, but I can get over it because it's Bryson and his feelings and it's what he does best. And that's how I like my R&B personally. If it's not sad, it's got to be singing in the rain happy. So it's either got to be really sad or it's got to make me want to fall in love. I really do hope artists get out of the habit of making um, 2 minute songs though. There are so many good new songs out currently that I can barely enjoy because they're so short. I know a lot of people now have short attention spans but if you can't handle a 3 minute song at least something else must be wrong or you're just very impatient because 3 minutes is not a long time for a song at all. Bryson also dropped the music video for it and towards the end of the video. And towards the end of the video he announces that his new album would be dropping this fall. Picture me jumping for joy. Like I've said R&B has been running things this year so what better time for Bryson to drop except for now. It's been 3 years since his last album which was very underwhelming like I mentioned before. So hopefully this new album which I think is still titled Serenity that was the title he gave it a couple of years ago but things change. But hopefully this new album will be a better body of work. Hopefully he's pulled himself out of his rut and comes up with something new and fresh. Either way, I'm excited for Bryson to drop. Um, Here's some predictions I have for who I think will drop and when. So I'm predicting Bryson's new album to drop in November. I'm predicting Drake's album to drop September 18th. I don't think it's a shock that he's most likely going to drop this month but I do believe he'll drop the 18th because like I said in uh, another episode prior to this one, the 18th is the last day for the summer and he technically said his album is coming out in summer 2020 so I think he'll drop then. I think Kendrick will drop in October and speaking of Kendrick there were some pictures that were released of what looked like he was filming a music video in the reason I think Kendrick is dropping in October is because he's got a book that's supposed to be dropping that month and so Kendrick is the type of person where I think when he is dropping something whether it's music or whatever he drops everything all together he's not one of those types of people that drops lead singles and, and and does the the commercial typical rollout that a label will do Kendrick's a type of artist that's all at once so I believe that when his book comes out the album will come out and he's already shooting music videos for this new music, so I think that once Kendrick drops the first song, the album is not that far behind it. So I'm predicting October. I think J. Cole's album will drop in November, and I also think Justin Bieber's new album that he has been rumored to be working on will also drop in November. Big Sean did a QA on Twitter um, last this past weekend and someone had asked him if he was going to be on Justin Bieber's new album because there are pictures of him and Justin Bieber in the studio and Justin Bieber wasn't really on Big Sean's album he just did background vocals on Harder Than My Demons so fans like myself as well um, predicted that most likely Big Sean was going to be on whatever Justin Bieber was working on and Big Sean confirmed that he does think that he will be featured on the album they have great chemistry together I think they work better when Big Sean is the featured artist on, on his record so I really love No Pressure. It's probably my favorite Justin Bieber song. It features Big Sean so I can't wait to see what they're working on. So that wraps up what um, my predictions um, for the end of the year. I do feel pretty confident about this so we'll see if I'm right. Moving on to Amber Riley or Riley as she's now going by. She released a beautiful track called A Moment and this is a song that I feel like describes the year most of us have been having. She said she wrote the song Last Year, which is also co-written by Jordan Sparks and Blush. She wrote it while going through a hard time mentally. Um, Amber has a really powerful voice. I feel like I've said that several times over, but I'll say it again. And what makes this ballad so beautiful and raw is that she's singing more softly than usual. And I feel like this is part of the reason it, it impacts me more emotionally. Rather than belting, the softness in her voice relates more of her pain in a raw way to me that I connect with. You know, every time I hear this song, I get a little emotional because the lyrics hit me so hard that I feel like I could have wrote them myself. Some of my favorite lines are, quote, and it just hits you like a bullet. Now I need a moment alone with my soul. And quote, only heaven knows that nothing hurts more than falling when you think you've been climbing. Set me free. Because again, they're so raw and real without sugarcoating things to the audience. She's forcing them to see and feel what she does in in a really raw way. Someone on Twitter described the song as the song for the strong friend, and that perfectly describes what this song is. I'm often the strong friend in my group of uh, friends, both past and present. Um, And often people assume that because you're strong that you can handle any and everything thrown at you and bounce back like that. And often we're neglected when we truly are going through something because your friends don't think to stop and ask you how you're actually feeling for once. And sometimes after being the friend that helps your friends sort through their shit and you've become kind of like an emotional bucket where they're just dumping all their issues on you, when it's time to sort through your own stuff, it can be overwhelming, which leads you to seek out time for yourself and kind of isolate yourself um, from other people and, um, start to check in on yourself, um... And that's why these lines in a moment really stick out to me a lot, not to get too deep. Uh, because sometimes you just need to take a mental break and take time out for yourself to check in with yourself and get back on the right path. And sometimes when you have friends that are just relying too much on you emotionally and you have to go through your own stuff, it's it's nice to kind of just take breaks away from them and focus on you. And that's just something that I I always champion for, taking care of yourself and putting yourself first. Um but back to the song. The production on this song is piano-driven, with some strings in the background, which are breathtaking. By the way, I love, I love strings on on in music when they're utilized well. They 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 really enhance us. They can really enhance a song. Um, this also allows um, Amber's voice to stand out, which hello, she's got such a voice that it stands out anyway. But with the production being soft and not dominant, it forces the listener to actually listen to what she's saying and the lyrics are so beautiful that they deserve to really be heard and and they really deserve for the listener to sit with the lyrics and, and soak them in and, and really understand where she's coming from. Um, and I, I think I mentioned the fact that um, this track is piano driven, which I, driven, which I also love. Um, I really do have to get back to the piano. I've just been caught up in other things. But if 2020 has taught me anything, it's that life is really short. So instead of thinking that we have all the time in the world to do things, we really should prioritize things that we want to do, big or small, when we can. And so I really, really... Eventually I will get back into the piano because I really had a good time learning how to play and there's so many songs that I want to learn and maybe I'll add a moment to the list of songs I want to learn because it's a beautiful track, it really is. It's definitely going to end up being one of my favorite songs of the year, one of the best in my opinion. Um, Again Amber's EP drops next month and if this song is anything to go by her EP is going to be really beautiful and I'm excited to hear it um also shout out to Amber for liking my comment on IG after I showed her love on this song it's always great to see artists respond more to love than the negative shit so shout out to Amber moving on remember on one of my last episodes I talked about Pharrell being in a little bit of a slump well he must have listened to that episode because the Neptunes came back with a vengeance last week. The Neptunes produced both Monica and SZA's new songs and they're both insanely dope so I wanted to get into both of those tracks a little bit. So first I'm going to get into Monica's new song Trenches which features Little Baby and if I'm being honest the song did not need him as he really added nothing to the record but at the same time I get it they're both from Atlanta so I really love the production because one it has that classic Neptune sound without trying too hard all while still sounding fresh. I'm a big big um I'm really big on producers remaining producers and artists remaining as fresh as they possibly can because music is one of those things that changes with the time so you always have to make sure that you don't sound too dated because your audience will notice so I do love that the song sounds fresh. Um coupled with the lyrics The song's This song sounds movie-like. This is what you hear at the end of like an emotional scene. That's just how my weird brain picks things apart. Um, The lyrics are beautifully written. You can tell Monica wrote this for C. Murda whose freedom she's currently fighting for. He's currently in prison. If you don't know what's going on with him you can uh, look it up on Google. Um, He's been fighting for his freedom for a really long time and um, so Monica's currently in this fight with him and personally with the lyrics in the song I think that that's who she's most likely talking about and maybe that's also why I like the song because the lyrics are so real and conversational and the lyrics actually make sense. There are a lot of songs I feel like where I'm reading the lyrics because I'm big on lyrics as well. I'm reading the lyrics and I'm like these actually don't really make sense like this song doesn't have a real theme but on Trent's, the lyrics are beautiful they're conversational and it feels like Monica is sitting in a room with me and and having this conversation with me Um, my favorite part of the song is the hook because it has the best lines in the entire song which are quote I'm watching in plain view you're caught up entangled in the web of the world I wish I could save you deep down you're an angel but street life it trained you now listen to your girl don't let the game keep playing you it's just an uplifting song and we need music like this especially during times like these and if this song is about see murder I'm sure he heard it and I'm sure he appreciates it. Um, I know I would if I was, um, if I was in his situation and a song like this came out, it's just, like I said, really uplifting and kind of motivational too, to pull yourself out of, you know, bad times. Monica is the type of artist that can hop on newer beats that the younger generation of R&B artists are on and fit right in. She just has so much confidence and it's not forced and her attitude and vibe fits right in with us too. I think that's why I always connected with her music more than Brandy's, not to pit them against each other, but you know, there's always that conversation of you either connected with Brandy musically or you connected with Monica musically. And to me, I just connect with, um, Monica's music more, Monica's music more because to me, it's just more raw and real. And she just had so much attitude and the music had so much attitude that it reminded me of me. Monica played another song off of her upcoming album Chapter 38 during her versus battle with Brandy and that one was good too so I'll definitely be giving Monica's new album a listen because I think it'll be good um Trenches is definitely a strong lead single and I think that what whatever Monica's been through in her life the past couple of years has just inspired her greatly so I think that's going to be reflected in this music so I can't wait for it to drop whenever it does and I'll be right back on this podcast giving my review and thoughts. So moving on to the second um, song that the Neptunes produced, they produced SZA's new song "Hit Different," which features Ty Dolla Sign. The production on this track doesn't sound like something the Neptunes would typically produce, but it still has their unique and futuristic style and fits SZA's style exactly because she usually has uh, eclectic production. The production of her, the production on her Control album, sounded noth- like nothing that was out in 2017, which is why I think people also really loved it and why it was lauded so much I do like the song I think Ty's hook is kind of lazy it's just overly repetitive to me I don't mind it too too much because the song is just a cool vibe and I do like the record and I also don't think SZA was trying to achieve song of the year with hit with hit different it's just a cool r&b vibe um one of the reasons why I'm a fan of SZA's is her pen she's a very skilled writer and she just has a way with writing words that you just feel or you think you could have said yourself. The way she writes her lines are typically the way you would write stanzas and poems so I guess the best way to describe her is poetic. My favorite line in this song is quote, scared to admit my shortcomings led to overdraft in this affair declining quicker than we started evidence we misaligned. She could have said the typical I'm scared to admit that I have issues and it was one of the downfalls of the situationship or whatever you want to call it. But instead, she used a more poetic and unique approach, which makes the lines more memorable and interesting to me. It also just sounds prettier. All in all, I'm happy SZA is releasing music again, and Hit Different is a good way for her to dip her feet back into the musical water. Um, SZA said she has tons of new music ready and that her label gave her the go-ahead to release it. I personally think that if she releases anything this year it'll just be a project aka a collection of songs because we don't really call them mixtapes anymore if you have to pay for them they're not really a mixtape so now we dress them up as projects and I think most likely her actual album will come out next year. A few weeks ago she had complained on Twitter that Punch and her label TDE have created a hostile environment and wouldn't allow her to release her music. She later backtracked but I do believe she meant what she said the first time and probably got in trouble for airing out her issues with her label. This wasn't the first time she's done this either because before her debut album dropped back in 2017 she aired out similar issues that she had with them back then. I think it's sad that she had to get on Twitter and air them out in order for them to allow her to release music. Even after Hit Different was released, Punch was being kind of, not kind of, very passive-aggressive saying things like, y'all harass me for new SZA music so you better be streaming it, rather than actually supporting the music. So, there's definitely issues between SZA and TDE, and all I know is that other than Kendrick, SZA is the only big star on that label, so... I think it's in their best interest to try to keep her happy before she decides to leave after her contract is up. She might still do this anyway because like I said, she's had these complaints since 2017. I find that artists tend to air out their grievances with their label on social media because they know their stands will react and harass their label heads so much that they'll be forced to allow that artist to release their music only if to get their stands to shut up. I definitely think that's what SZA intended to do and I'm not mad at it at all it's just sad that some artists have to go to those lengths to get their music released. All in all though I'm excited for whatever else SZA has in store for us and like I said Hit Different is a cool uh record I really do like it um it was a surprise I wasn't expecting her to release anything um she was also another person that I felt like was going to take another like two years to release music because she's done this before where she's like oh I'm going to release my album I'm going to release a project before my album I'm going to do this I have so much new music and then we hear nothing so it was a pleasant surprise to actually get new music from her and if Hit Different is anything to go by I don't think she's lost any of the spark she had on Control so I can't wait. So now we are finally getting to the moment I've been waiting for The album I've been talking about for months. An artist I've been begging and harassing to release for almost a year. Yes, I'm talking about Big Sean. He finally dropped his long-awaited fifth album, Detroit 2. So, as a whole, Detroit 2 can be described, in um, in my own words, as a self-help album, if that makes sense. It's filled with messages about mental health and therapy, depression, and just healing in general. The main reason I connect with Big Sean's music so much is because of the themes in his music. He talks about some of the things I've been through in my own life and he says it in such a way I feel like he's reading my mind or that I could have written these lyrics myself. I know I keep saying that during this episode but I really do connect with music that has lyrics that I feel like I could have written, things I can relate to and I think a lot of people feel that way. Other rappers talk about some of the same topics but they don't say it in the way that Sean does which is I think what makes him different for me. He said in a recent interview that he likes having quotables in his music so he means like lyrics that catch people's attention and makes it easy for them to remember what he says and maybe that's why I like um that maybe that's why I feel like he says things in a way that no one else does. He knows how to make it catchy without sounding too corny. I've heard people say Sean is very inspiring and I have to agree because I always feel inspired and motivating after listening to a Big Sean album or watching one of his interviews. Rap-wise, on this album Big Sean has evolved even further than when I last heard him rap in 2017. He borderlines a little too wordy on certain songs like Deep Reverence and Lucky Me. But it's not overkill because when he when even though he's saying a lot, he's not trying to be too complicated like Eminem, where he uses a lot of big words just for the sake of using them. I can still comprehend the message Sean's trying to get across, and it doesn't get lost in a wordy jumble like I feel like sometimes, you know, Eminem tends to do. And again, that's not the shit on Eminem. Eminem is one of my favorite rappers, if not my favorite. Uh, but that's just a criticism I have of um this current day Eminem and a lot of criticisms that a lot of people have. I also do think Big Sean comes across a little too wordy on this album because this is his first album in three years. He's been through a lot. He has a lot to say. He has a lot of ground to cover so I feel like that's what he was trying to do on this album. I have to admit that after the first listen I was a little underwhelmed because my expectations were so high and to be honest this is a new Big Sean and he is rapping different like I said. And when you've been a fan a long time of somebody, you have to get used to their new material when they evolve. Sometimes you like the change and sometimes you hate it. But after the second or third listen, Detroit 2 grew on me even more. Um, I think that's the downfall when you take a long time to put out music. When you take three or four years, even if you're not hyping up the project yourself, when you wait that long, that builds up hype all by itself. And when, like me, with Big Sean I was really really looking forward to new music from him so even though he wasn't always hyping up the project in my head I was because I'm like okay this is the longest he's ever taken to put something out it's got to be good when you take this long with an album it's got to be good so I think I had all these expectations of what I wanted to hear and I think also um even though I don't judge a artist off of one bad project his last project was the metro Boomin one and it wasn't my favorite so I think when you take a long time and your last project was kind of iffy it's it breeds a lot of expectations from your audience and I don't think I'm alone in that even though I knew that to me um Double or Nothing didn't make or break me as a big Sean fan I didn't have doubts about his capability or his skills as a rapper off of one project that I didn't care for but I did see a lot of people on social media capping Kinda trying to act like Detroit 2 was going to make or break Sean's career if this album wasn't good. It's over for him. Big Sean doesn't have a lot of bad albums in his catalog. It's the Metro Boomin album to me and also the first Finally Famous album that wasn't all that. I know a lot of people don't like his Hall of Fame album, but he does not. It's not like he has only two good albums. I think his only big miss was the Metro Boomin project, so Detroit 2 was not going to make or break him. But whatever, that was Cap. So back to the album, the standouts on it to me are Lucky Me, Body Language, Harder Than My Demons, Guard Your Heart, and "Down Life. So I want to go through some of these and some of my thoughts about some of these. It's a 21 song album so I'm not going to go through all 21 tracks. But I did want to um, talk about the highlights on the album. So I'm going to start off with Lucky Me. The track starts off highlighting one of Sean's best qualities which is storytelling. He talks about being diagnosed with heart disease at 19. But that the disease had been fixed by holistic medicine what I like about this album is hearing new stories from him when I thought he told them all already the best part of this song though is when the beat switches and Sean loses his mind seriously his flow here is fucking nuts and it was a reminder that this is what he's good at this is what he's good at effortlessly lucky me is a perfect combination of depth and seriousness and then just having plain old fun If I had it my way, the second beat would have been the main beat because to me it was the better beat of the two. Um, Body language. um, I was talking to my parents a couple of weeks ago about how a lot of artists these days do not utilize samples well and rely too heavily on them. I just literally talked about this with Bryson Tiller. Body language is different because it not only utilized the Soulful Moaning sample well, but Sean made the song his own. Body language is another great example of how much musical chemistry Sean and Janae have and made me want another 28 album desperately. Ty and Janae's vocals on this track sound angelic despite the song being extremely sexual. Ty and Janae's vocals also sound great together and they really elevate this track. The production and sample flip on BL is done exceptionally well. Shout out to Key Wayne who produced this song. The production is definitely a huge part of the reason the song is so good. The moment I heard um the teaser of this song on Big Sean's album trailer I knew it was going to be one of my favorites he always has like a song like this on his albums on I decided it was jump out the window on Dark Sky Paradise it was Play No Games which also featured Ty and on Detroit 2 it's um body language I love the fact that both Ty and Janae actually interpolate the original song because it it again actually utilizes the sample but they put their own spin on it and make it their own I also like the fact that The title of the song is completely different than um, Soulful Moan and I feel like um, a lot of artists get lazy and not only do they sample the song but they use the same title as the song they're sampling or they use a variation of it. So I know that's small and me being nitpicky but I do appreciate that. I think Janae brings out the best in Sean musically which is why 2088 was such a good album and she tends to make his music a little more soulful and Sean sounds dope on soulful types of beats. Sean's verses... Sean's verses, I don't know what's wrong with me today, I'm like jumbling my words, let's start that again. Sean's verses on this song are fun and just typically what you'd expect from him. He definitely has some fun quotables on this song like quote, In the bathtub pouring champagne on that ass like I'm Dame Dash. damn, your last nigga blew it with his lame ass and I know I had people in my circle but they weren't in my corner. I had people in my business but they didn't support it but took advantage of me like they supposed to do with their moments. Again, just lyrics that are fun to rap along to and are memorable and sometimes relatable. I think we all have those one or two friends that we've had in our lives that um, didn't really support us in the way that we felt like they should have. Especially when you're like me and I have a lot of friends trying to run their own businesses and doing their own thing. And you ex- and people you thought would be supporting you aren't actually supporting you. It kind of sucks and it makes you... Um, what's the word? It makes you reassess who you should have in your life. And even though this song um, is kind of fun, I do like that he throws in those little nuggets of wisdom and, and talks about real shit here and there. So that's why I um, I like some of those lines. So I'm going to talk about Guard Your Heart next, which um, other than deep reverence, Guard Your Heart is the most important track on this album. It addresses the Black Lives Matter movement and violence against Black people in a way that I haven't heard talked about yet currently Wale's verse is the um best verse on this track and his lyrics really resonated with me because he was able to capture what I feel and how so many black people feel in this country one of the lyrics that really stuck out to me was quote got tired of white silence so the riot started and the robbers robbed you wildin cause your product gone we mad that Eric Garner Brianna Gianna father gone yeah a lot of trauma we tired exhausted this stuck out to me because one of the many things that made me so angry during the riots was that non-black people cared more about meaningless, replaceable things being stolen and broken rather than in caring about black lives, which just reaffirmed what they cared more about. All of those things can be replaced, but Breonna Taylor, Eric Gardner, Trayvon Martin, and so many other black lives lost cannot be replaced, and I think while I hit the nail on the head with his verse... Big Sean talks about dealing with the loss of so many loved ones this year and I really connected with his verse too. Everyone has lost someone that mattered to them this year whether it's a loved one or someone you looked up to. Dealing with so much death is a heavy feeling and he captures the emo- these emotions with lines like quote, so many lost, I feel lost, got me feeling like a real nigga, holocaust, got me mourning while it's dark, life will eat you alive, we know how to be a meal. And his voice slightly wavers so you can really feel and hear his emotion. He's definitely matured a lot within the past couple of years because Deshaun from 2012 on the first Detroit wouldn't be giving you this type of emotion and depth the way he is in 2020. I also think Anderson Pack and Early Max contributions to the song were nice touches as well. I really do hope that um, Big Sean decides to make that one a single and give it a good visual because the directors that he works with with are incredible and the visuals with Harder Than My Demons which touches on the violence against black people and just has beautiful images of black people in general um it was just a beautiful beautiful visual and I feel like um he's capable of doing even better on Guard Your Heart and I, this is a a really important song that we needed right now and I just think that I just hope that he gives us a music video for it too because I think the visuals will, will make the song um it'll it'll stress the song's importance even more and it'll stress certain lines in the song. The next one I wanted to talk about, another great one, which is Don Life. Quite simply, it's one of the best songs off of this album. Big Sean wrote this beat sickly, and the production and flip of Michael Jackson's human nature is so damn good. I think this is the best beat on this album if I'm being honest. Key Wayne, Hip Boy, and Teddy Walton did the damn thing. If I missed a couple of other producers, I'm sorry, but y'all all did the damn thing. The beat of Don Life just reminded me of production from the 90s where producers would flip music from the 70s and 80s often soulful beats and make it sound real hip-hop. Human Nature is one of those songs that are constantly sampled and I honestly got sick of it being used despite loving the song but I do think it was flipped well here. Don Life just sounds like Sean is just having fun again my favorite lyric on this song is quote I give this shit blood flesh bone can't catch me I skate to my destiny that's necessity you can't out finesse me he just sounds like he's rhyming effortlessly and I was amazed by how long he kept this particular rhyme scheme going for Wayne's verse here was great too and was one of the best verses I've heard from him in a long time for once he actually stayed on topic all in all this song just sounds like a homecoming for Sean. though there were a lot of songs I can say I love on D2 and there were so many other songs I really did like but you know I don't have time to get into all of them obviously they're 21 songs but I do think there are a few songs um, that should have been left off of this album these songs are The Baddest, Lithuania, Though It's Grown On Me A Lot and Time In which pains me to say because I was really looking forward to hearing another 2088 song we haven't gotten one since um, 2017. I think these songs should have been left off because to me they sound like fillers and didn't really add much to the overall theme and message of D2 and they kind of stick out like sore thumbs and they kind of take me out of the album if I'm being honest. Time In isn't a horrible song all the way through but Big Sean attempting to sing in the beginning and a pitch too high for his voice just ruined it for me. Sorry Sean, you're a great rapper but let's just let Janae do the singing, she's great at it. Friday Night Cypher was a great moment for Detroit but not memorable enough for me to revisit again by itself um Sean Eminem Royce T Grizzly and Cash Doll had dope verses um I do think there's another rapper on there another two that had good verses too but there were so many of them that I didn't even know I'm I'm blinking on their names but they had dope um verses as well um if I'm listening to the album Top to Bottom I do let Friday Night Cypher play because it is it it doesn't sound it doesn't feel right to skip that song when I'm listening to the album in full because it, it does sound like it belongs on Detroit too it fits with the theme um but it's just even though I have a great attention span it is a long record it's almost 10 minutes and I really do only like a few of the verses so by itself I probably won't seek it out. Hip Boy and Big Sean definitely have great musical chemistry and I would love to hear them work together even more in the future I know Hip Boy produced a record off of the original Detroit so it was a full circle moment to have him come back and executive produce this whole thing and even outside of the song full circle this Detroit too it was a good full circle moment for Big Sean so I definitely think this album was appropriately titled. Hip Boy has proven that he's a great producer and very versatile. He supplied Sean with great beats for this album. Key Wayne also had a huge hand in producing and co producing a lot of the songs on this album and gives Sean his classic sound. So I want to give him some appreciation as well because he's a great producer and I credit him a lot for giving Big Sean classic material for Dark Sky Paradise. The production on that album is one of the reasons it's so good and I don't, I don't see a lot of people giving Key Wayne his flowers. Um, especially for Detroit too. I know Hip Boy's been on this crazy run and he's the one people are paying attention to because he's also executive produced this album, but Key Wayne deserves his flowers too because he's a great producer and he worked with Hip Boy on a lot of these songs. So shout out to Hip Boy. Big Sean's wordplay, flow, and writing all together has gotten even better than it was on Dark Sky Paradise, which is saying something because I thought that was the the height that Big Sean was going to reach. Like he was just going to, Get he was gonna stay where he was on Dark Sky Paradise and just kind of stay there for a while. I didn't realize that he was gonna get even better than his writing and, and wordplay on that album, but he did. I'm not saying D2 is better than Dark Sky Paradise, um, but his his writing and rapping is better in 2020 than it was in 2015 than it was in 2013. And you know, Detroit 2 just came out, so it's too early to to say um, where it'll firmly rank in his discography but right now I'm I'm ranking it at number three I think it's Dark Sky Paradise I decided and in Detroit too but that can change in five five years we'll see um Sean is one of those artists where you really have to sit with his albums he's not a one and done type of artist there are plenty of messages to sit with and soak in before it clicks sometimes that's another reason why I love his music and it's Been so much fun getting to decode and break down his music again. I've been playing the album top to bottom since it's come out. I find myself loving the album more and more as I listen, which to me is a good indicator of a good album and that it'll age well in the future. Detroit 2 marks an incredible comeback for Big Sean and I'm not only glad he's back, but his evolution on this album shows and proves that he's here to stay. So congratulations Big Sean, as a fan I am more than happy with this body of work I know um I always give artists that I really respect and love and fuck with um I give them a harsher critique because I just know what they're capable of um and I just I had really high expectations for this album like I said but once I let those go I really appreciated the album more even songs I feel like didn't really fit um the overall album when I just let that thought go and that opinion go and I just sit and listen to Lithuania um I really enjoy it because Sean even on certain songs where I'm like this isn't my favorite or I felt like this feature wasn't needed his verses always stand out which this is his album so even though it's got a lot of features big Sean's verses should be the one standing out and I'm happy that that's the case here I know that um predictions are showing that Detroit 2 is most likely going to take the number one on Billboard and Big Sean said that it'd be cool if he got the number one album. I'm sure he would love that but he also admitted that to him what mattered the most was taking his time and putting out music he genuinely loved and so that the, the album is number one to him. I hope he gets the number one. I'm not a big numbers person myself because I think the music is always going to speak for itself so whether you chart number one or chart number 10 or somewhere in between or somewhere lower than that. If the music is good and it's important, that's always going to shine through. It's always going to always gonna matter more. It's going to matter more than any other um, bullshit um, methods or tactics that you try to use to cheat yourself to a number one. And Detroit 2 is one of those important albums that I feel because it's important and because it's got depth and it matters and he's talking about real shit that it deserves to be number one. But, you know, the music industry these days, it doesn't run that that way. And maybe it's never run that way. It's always about popularity and, and fudging things. But I personally hope that Detroit 2 marks another number one album for Big Sean. I think he deserves it. I think, I think he deserves it. I think everybody who was a part of this album deserves it. And I think the fans really want that as well. I know I don't really partake in a lot of streaming parties. Um, but for Detroit 2, when they did one last night, I listened to the album... Uh, among all the other fans and just had a good time. So again, shout out to Big Sean for Detroit 2. This will probably be the, be the last time I really talk about Big Sean in this way for a long time now that the album's out. I'm just going to keep listening to it over and over again, enjoying it. I know that I listen to this album like on the way to work, on the way back from work, top to bottom. It's only like a 30-minute drive, so I make it like halfway through the album each time, but it sounds great in the car. So this will probably, no, not probably, it, probably, it definitely will be on my um, favorite albums list when I do um, my podcast, my final podcast episode of the season in December. I'll get into like what albums I think are the best and I definitely think Detroit 2 is going to be on that. So moving away from Big Sean, um, Kehlani announces that she's finished recording material for her It Was Good Until It Wasn't Deluxe album. She recorded songs for it in five days. I personally prefer when deluxe album cons- albums consist of songs that were recorded during the album's actual sessions because they tend to sound less like filler music or money grab or money grabbers I guess I could say but Keilani may surprise me like Jojo did and come out with a dope deluxe album. It was good until it wasn't is aging better every day, so I'll definitely sit with the music off of the deluxe before I make final judgments. I tend to do that with albums anyway. I really sit with them because I, I had mixed feelings about it was good until it wasn't when it first came out. I didn't think it was a bad album, but there were certain songs that had to grow on me and now to me now there's only about like one or two songs I think I still don't care for on that album. It's just aged so well. So um with the deluxe album I'll sit with it and give it that same um I'll give it that same amount of patience and time Monday marked two years since Mac Miller passed away and I just want to say rest easy Mac sometimes I still can't believe he's actually gone but his spirit and music will live on forever we love and miss you um I know that when artists when they die it sounds it seems like certain songs that we love we have a stronger connection to after because it just hits more after they're gone certain lines and certain songs just it's kind of like in a way they foreshadowed their death or their it's like they wrote some of their songs from like the future if that makes sense like they wrote it from the perspective of okay I don't have a lot of time left so this is how I'm I'm gonna write the song as if I don't have a lot of time left I know I felt that way with Tupac a lot of his music seemed to foreshadow the things that ended up happening to him same with Biggie and for me come back to earth is such a was always such a beautiful record to me it's beautifully produced it's beautifully written but the song hits harder now that he's gone it means more because come back to earth was kind of like it seemed like he was coming home it seemed like he was trying to break free of a lot of the demons he had and finally um taking a a a deep a breath of fresh air I don't I I know I'm not articulating myself extremely well but Come Back to Earth to me if I could describe it it was like him coming up for air and just wanting to start a new life or just coming home full circle I mean the album is called Swimming and Come Back to Earth to me when he passed and I heard that record I cried because it just the lyrics resonated even deeper now that he had been gone and on Monday I listened to that track again and I posted it on my stories as well and Mac is just one of those artists that he was so talented man he was so talented and I feel like he had so much more to give to people and it's just a real shame that he he um passed so young and it just seems like over the past few years we just see people die um younger and younger it's like they get younger and younger Mac was not that much older than me um Naya wasn't even that much older than me she was like 33 only like 10 or 11 years but You know, even Kobe, he was in his 40s. That's really young. So we're seeing a lot of important people. Chadwick as well. He was 43, I believe. We're seeing so many talented people that meant so much to us go so young that it just really, to me, I think I'm really... I I always was like, oh, you know, life is really short. But I think this year has taught us that no life really is short. I think we all have the expectation that we're going to live full lives as we should because you don't want to think otherwise but we don't know how long we have on this earth so we we really should um maximize our time and and do what we love and I think if anything a lot of these artists if we could speak to them I'm pretty sure a lot of them don't have a whole lot of regrets when it comes to their passions because they change so many lives and it's not lost on me that like people like Chadwick and Kobe and Naya who change so many people's lives that they went so young because you know I think someone described it as you know them being literal earth angels angels on earth that are using their passions and their work and their talent to inspire other people to encourage them to to connect with people and Mac was definitely one of those people where a lot of people felt connected to him I was a fan of Mac later on in his career which is something I have a little bit more regret of shout out to Victoria because she was a huge huge Mac fan and my freshman year when we became friends and the Divine Feminine came out she was really urging me to listen to that album and so I finally gave it a chance because prior to that I knew who Mac was I liked a few of his songs here and there but he was just never an artist where I really sat and listened to full albums from him until 2016 when he dropped that album and that album was incredible it sounded like nothing I'd ever heard and it just that was my real introduction to Mac and just how unique he was he never stayed in one box and that was what I appreciated with Mac even when Swimming first came out I really had to sit with that album because I wasn't crazy about a majority of it I liked a few songs but Mac just has albums and projects that just age well and I really appreciated him as an artist and you know I wish I had more time as a fan to really be around when he would first drop albums and 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 pick his brain and things like that. So, um, like I said, sending much love to Max's family and friends and his fans. And you know, he'll live on forever in his music. And I don't think he'd have it any other way. So, moving away from somber topics, um, I did want to talk about Tenet which I saw with my dad yesterday. Um, Monday because by the time this episode drops it'll be Wednesday so my dad and I went and saw it Monday and let me tell you I can barely tell you what I thought about the movie because I was thoroughly confused the whole time now even if I understood the movie I wasn't going to get on here and spoil it for you because I personally hate spoilers myself so I wouldn't do it to y'all but I couldn't spoil the movie even if I wanted to because I don't know what the hell happened. Um, I appreciate Christopher Nolan's brain and his creativity but it is frustrating watching his movies and Tenet was a little overcomplicated. Uh, but as frustrating as it can be I love that he's never predictable like uh, most movies have become lately he keeps me on my toes and he's definitely become one of my favorite directors recently the way this movie was shot and scored was beautiful but that was to be expected of course the choreography and the fight scenes were also exceptional. Um, especially because a lot of them were done in reverse, which, um, is complicated, especially if you're not relying on an effect, you have to literally fight in reverse. Um, so that was really cool to see. And I think that this movie is really gonna further put, um, John David Washington on the map because he was incredible in the movie. Um, I can't wait for it to come out on DVD so that my dad and I can rewatch it. But if anyone listening to this podcast has seen Tenet... Hit me up so we can talk about it because maybe you understand what happened in the movie better than I did. I know my dad sent me a video breaking down the movie, which I still have to watch because I caught up. I got caught up doing other things last night before I could watch it, so I'm definitely going to watch that video and see if the person breaking it down in that video can make more sense of it. I, I grasped a little bit of things, but there are a lot that I was lost on, so. Definitely can't wait for it to come out on DVD or on demand so that my dad and I can watch it three or four times and pick it apart and see what we come up with because we love doing that. So moving on from Tenet, I'm on season three of my rewatch of the game. A little spoiler alert for those who are watching the show for the first time. Uh, My mom, she's seen a few episodes but she's recently restarted it. I don't know where she is. I think she only watched the first two episodes so I'll try to talk about it without going into too much detail. But I forgot just how annoying Derwin and Melanie's relationship was. Their constant back and forth during season 3 was honestly a little confusing and chaotic and very very annoying. Yes they end up making it work and yes when I first watched the show I was happy for them but as an adult who is looking at things realistically with fresh eyes, should they have worked shit out? Should they have? Between the cheating and childish behavior and the emotional manipulation, I don't know how they got past it all. Also, I forgot just how bad Kelly and Jason's marriage had gotten. Kelly does have her faults, but the real breakdown of their marriage was really due to Jason's controlling ways and his obsessive need to save all of his money, even at the expense of his marriage and his child. I am happy that the game addressed Jason's issues with his black identity and his disdain for black women later on in the show when it came back. Rewatching the show as an adult really opened my eyes to how problematic Jason's behavior towards black women really is specifically Tasha his dislike for her was primarily based on the fact that she was too quote ghetto too loud and too opinionated and every time he makes one of those comments I have to roll my eyes and stop my anger from boiling over we later find out that, again, spoiler alert, in case you didn't hear the first one, we later find out that his deep rooted issues had a lot to do with the black community not accepting him because of how light his skin was. We even hear Malik make certain jokes about how white passing Jason is. He never felt accepted by black women, which is why he dated mostly white women and married one. Kelly's white. One of the reasons I love rewatching shows that I used to love as a kid or a teenager is watching the storylines unfold as an adult because my opinions are a lot different and I pick up on more things now that I'm old enough to have a little life experience. I'm only 22 so I'm not going to act like I have all the experience in life but I have a little bit more than I did at 12 or 13. And being adult enough to understand certain situations I might have judged harder when I was younger or just completely disregarded or they just went over my head because I wasn't old enough to really understand. I still love the game as much as I did when I was younger I probably because I'm almost done with the three seasons on Netflix I think it probably took me a month. And even though the later seasons weren't as good as the first three I'll probably try to find seasons four through nine and rewatch those as well. I still think the showrunners did Tia Mowry and Pooch Hall dirty by not renegotiating their contracts and keeping them on the show. As annoying as Derwin and Melanie's relationship was, they were an important part of the show and the loss of them was very obvious and was part of the reason the show declined. There was talk of them bringing the show back for a reunion and originally I was unsure if I wanted to watch it considering how lackluster the show had become later. But if they do it right and include Pooch and Tia, I might give it a chance. I don't think they need to come back for a full season. If it's just like a little reunion special to see where the characters are now these days I'd be here for that but before the episode ends I do want to talk about the song of the week and my dad of course guessed what the song of the week this week was gonna be but y'all don't know it so the song of the week is Body Language by Big Sean featuring Janae, Ayuko and Ty Dolla $ign. I already talked about how much I love this song earlier in this episode so I won't repeat what I already said but just know the song definitely bumps in the car and I had the best time singing my heart out and dancing on the way home from work to this. If you haven't heard this song yet but you're into music from the 90s you just might like this one um so check it out and let me know if you like it or not. If you've heard it already tell me your favorite part of the song. So, you've reached the end of this episode, and if you enjoyed what you heard, you can support Listen To Me Speak further by giving a small donation that'll help me take this podcast to the next level. If you want to keep up with this podcast further, you can follow me on all social medias. You can like my page on Facebook, which is the Listen To Me Speak podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, which is at DJKatastrophe, and you can also fo- follow me on Instagram, which is Listen To Me Speak pod, P-O-D for podcast. Also, if you're trying to find me on Twitter, catastrophe is spelled K-A-Y-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. Remember to be kind to yourselves and to take care of yourselves. That's, That's the most important thing. Thank you for listening to me speak and I'll be back with a brand new episode next week.